You're listening to the On the Go with VAO News Podcast for the week ending July 15th, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast, our weekly recap of the top headlines from the Daily Acquisition News. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Dara Curran, content developer and news writer. Improper payments continue to be a persistent problem for the federal government, the Government Accountability Office reported. With the fiscal year 2014 tab across 38 programs at 15 CFO Act agencies, totaling an estimated $100 billion. In addition, the number of agencies in violation of one or more aspects of the Improper Payments Elimination and Recovery Act of 2010, or IPERA, represents the highest level of non-compliance since required reporting began in fiscal year 2011, and estimated improper payments government-wide increased $30 billion between fiscal 2013 and fiscal 2015. The biggest reason for noncompliance remained unchanged from the fiscal 2013 report, failure to publish and to meet annual improper payment reduction targets. Ten agencies failed to meet their published targets, and ten programs across five agencies failed to comply with IPERA for the second most common reason, an improper payment rate above 10%. So what to do, what to do about this? Well, data analytics is definitely a promising tool. We reported last month the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Fraud Prevention System uses big data and predictive analytics and has yielded more than $1.5 billion in savings over the past five years by checking payments before they go out the door. And last week we covered a GAO report that demonstrated using commercially available data services helped identify possible fraud. The Social Security Administration, for example, was able to detect more than $80 million in potential improper payments in its unemployment insurance program only during the 15 months that they tested the use of commercial data. So again, very promising sounding. But of course, those both require an initial upfront investment of varying degrees. And that's what makes one of the stories we covered this week so interesting. The Department of Agriculture is finding success reducing improper payments in its Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, by streamlining front-end requirements. This is perhaps a little counterintuitive, setting out fewer hoops to jump through on the front end to qualify in the first place for the benefits, but simpler parameters made it easier for caseworkers to process applications and with fewer errors. It also streamlines program administration and operations, and it allowed the agency to focus on those most in need of benefits. But also, the simplification freed up time for agency personnel to concentrate on what they were doing correctly. Again, that lowered error rates and also better supported mission goals. Anyway, that's something to think about. Cutting red tape may also cut the rate of improper payments. The Department of Defense has established a new internal governance board to oversee its Defense Innovation Unit Experimental, or DIOCS, which will add a Boston, Massachusetts area location to the existing Silicon Valley, California base. In a July 5th directive, Secretary of Defense Ash Carter outlined the establishment of the Technology Review Group Oversight Board, which will be staffed with government employees or military members and review the center's progress and ensure the center's efforts align with military goals. A managing partner appointed by Carter will supervise the branches and lead all hiring, acquisition, and research and development efforts. 
the Defense Information Systems Agency has released a request for proposals to upgrade and improve the infrastructure for MillCloud 2.0, the next iteration of its department-wide cloud portfolio system. DSA wants to move the next MillCloud to a pay-as-you-go consumptive model versus a flat monthly fee. The one-year IDIQ contract offers four one-year option periods. Responses are due by August 8th. The General Services Administration's 18F Group has also released an RFP. They are seeking an Agile vendor team to augment features on the group's login.gov platform, which is intended to be an identity-verifying gateway to the spectrum of services that's offered by federal agencies. The selected contractor will specifically work to integrate the portal with agency's own software codes and address challenges to verifying users' identity, as well as determine what features will be of the greatest utility to agency clients. The Blanket Purchase Agreement is part of 18F's effort to shift from developing digital services directly for federal agencies to offering the agencies easier ways to procure those services from contractors themselves. The contract will have a three-month period of performance with a three-month optional extension. Responses are due July 21st. Lawmakers and industry experts met last Friday to discuss the moratorium on public-private competitions and government's reluctance to allow contract employees to perform inherently governmental functions. Somewhat like what I touched on before, with the simpler requirements at USDA allowing staff to focus on mission-specific work, the panel of industry experts told the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee's Subcommittee on Government Operations that the government is so big it is spreading itself too thin by trying to do all things, and contractor support could well allow it to turn back to core inherently governmental activities. In addition, Donald Kettle, who we've spoken about before, he's a professor of public policy at the University of Maryland, who recently performed an in-depth analysis of GAO's list of high-risk programs, why the programs were there, what they did to get off, those who've been removed, and he urged lawmakers to consider that functions should be performed by those who can do them best at the best price. However, he did caution that government has not yet evolved a good model for uniformly judging that. Panel experts proposed lawmakers consider the possibility of revising the Office of Management and Budget's Circular A76, which requires agencies to divide inventories of inherently governmental activities into those that should be handled by federal employees and those that could be outsourced to the private sector. We also have a fact out this week. The Federal Acquisition Circular 2005-89 amends the Federal Acquisition Regulation in relation to Federal Prison Industries purchases, OMB circulars, contracts involving bonds and other financial protections, and small business subcontracting. Starting off with the easy stuff, effective July 14th, one final rule makes several editorial changes to 48 Code of Federal Regulations Part 4 and Part 52. Effective August 12th, three final rules increase the blanket waiver threshold for small dollar value purchases by federal agencies from federal prison industries from $3,000 to $3,500, update outdated references to Office of Management and Budget circulars, and amend five standard forms prescribed by the FAR for contracts involving bonds and other financial protections to clarify liability limitations and expand the options for organization types to include not just limited liability companies, but other business types as they evolve. 
and effective November 1st, 2016. One final rule implements changes made by the Small Business Administration to reflect a government-wide small business subcontracting policy. Now, there were a lot of changes here in this particular rule, so I'm going to encourage you to go and review our full news coverage on this, a link to which is included in the podcast record. And the Department of Energy has published a final rule, effective August 13th, amending the DEER to make technical and administrative changes, including changes to conform to the FAR, remove out-of-date coverage, update references, and correct minor errors and omissions. A proposed rule, published on March 25, 2015, is adopted as final, aside from removing one proposed change to Part 916 pertaining to the title of the National Nuclear Security Administration Task Order Ombudsman. That's all for this week. If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can read more about any of the headlines I covered on the same page where you downloaded the podcast. Thank you for joining in today. Tune in again on Friday, July 22nd, to catch up on all the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News.